time to play. And here's your host, Tom Blake. Hello. What's that name? The rules are simple. We show you a person, you tell us their name. <laughs> Our contestants today are Dazza and Stan. Dazza. Hello. Dazza. <laughs> okay. Hey, we we, oh, can, we hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me? We are we are on we're on different continents yeah. and in, in different realms. Can you hear me or not? I can, I can hear you testing. Testing. Uh, Hello, listener. <laughs> That's good. Uh, now let's cut the. Am I loud enough the... or soft enough? Got... <laughs> no, you are. You are so soft. It's 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 beautiful. Let's get straight into the fucking music and surf. Okay. That, that doesn't involve us. Um, <clears throat> all right. Okay. I've got a I've got a quote for you. Um, this yeah, is from W C Fields, and W C Fields said, "It ain't what they call you." It's what you answer to. Oh, get a piece hey. of that. I like that. Yeah. Wow. And, and you know what? He, you yeah. want to hear what what Bob Bob Marley's retort was? Bob Marley said, uh, "Bob Marley isn't my name. I don't even know my name yet." So namesake. namesake episode two episode number two mm. uh, i've got a title for my uh, namesake do you have a title for your namesake uh i don't uh but you hit me first up oh i've got i've got content <laughs> all right yeah, my co co content a go-go all right so my uh title is <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. Kneel before the masters of the backside pit and the backyard riff. Uh, wow. <clears throat> um, okay, so I've got three kneels. I've got kneel. three kneel. I've got three kneels to throw at you. So uh, uh, only after posting a kneel, uh, Neil Young and Neil Purchase Jr. tribute, did I eventually realized that my my uh, drug addled brain realized that neil purchase is spelled n-e-a-l and then i i i got to yes. thinking like i i got to thinking neil like trad neil versus neil purchase jr versus neil as in get on your fucking knees what's the go mm -hmm. what what's your opinion i mean where are you at i'm, I'm 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 kind of favoring either the uh, get on your knees one or the Neil Young one personally, but anyhow. Well, I love a good silent K. Ooh. I just I don't know. Yeah. So I'm going. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if that. you named? Can you imagine if uh, you named if you named your son or even worse your daughter Neil? <laughs> With a K, with, with a silent well, K. Uh, yeah. 
Well, mm. apparently you used to pronounce the K. Uh, I could be wrong here. Linguists. Um, yeah, yeah, well, well, even in, the, even, in the, even in the 70s, I think it was Evil Knievel, right? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> now it's just Evil Knievel. Wow. What a combo. Like Neil Purchase Jr. and Neil Young. I mean, you've got Junior and Young in the in the last uh, that's sort of names true. there. Because I, I was actually uh, I was looking I was looking for uh, similarities, and I that had not struck me. But absolutely, they are they are the Young and Junior of their uh, generations. Can I really bore the listeners yeah. with, uh, with with something to start off with? Do it. Okay, so I did a bit of investigation. And I came across this uh, academic essay. Well, uh, academic, I mean, fuck, anything on the internet can claim to be academic these days, right? And this one was, uh, I would say it's kind of in the mid-range academic kind of, yeah. Anyhow, the, right. the, the, the premise is interesting and the, 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 certainly the title is interesting and it's called The Dynamics of Style. Okay. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm, I have adapted this just to, to suit my own purposes, but I, I, I'm going to bore the listener. It's going to take a minute or two, but. The two dynamics of surf and music style. Surfing and music may be thought of as a two-dimensional and in- as two-dimensional and encompassing both the object board or axe, let's say for this episode, the board or the axe, um, because we're we're generally talking about um, obviously surfing as a uh, people on surfboards and music people on guitars, generally, generally, and the surfing and composition process. The surfing and composition process is the process Uh, which a potential fashion, in inverted commas, moves from its point of origin to public acceptance. This process is characterized by the introduction of an innovation, its early adoption, the diffusion throughout a a particular socio-cultural network, and the eventual decline in acceptance. The surf music object refers to a specific object, such as a a particular shape or musical style. Style can be defined as distinctive, a distinctive or characteristic manner or or appearance in both surf and music, obviously. The surf music object or style can be identified by the following pragmatic criteria. Number one, must process, uh, must process differential characteristics that separate it from others of its class. Okay. Number two, the differential characteristics must be perceivable. And I guess that's to the, to the user, to the, to the surfer, to the listener, whatever. Number three, the perceivable different differential characteristic must be communicable either visually, verbally, and those perceivable communicable differences must be operationally measurable. Am I losing the listener? I hope not. No, no I'm hanging in there. No, I'm, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Pragmatically, 
The goal is to monitor and track the state of development of a style in order to influence the adoption or rejection, importantly, and the resulting impact of a particular style statement. If a surf music object or style does not satisfy the above criteria, then it is not interesting for pragmatic purposes of managing style adaption and diffusion. I'm nearly finished. Uh, More more intensive analysis of this definition reveals that it succinctly succinctly describes a rather complex interactive behavioral system. Therefore, a surf or music iconoclast has acceptance that is, in inverted commas, culturally endorsed, number two. Uh, It is a specific entity that has a form of expression in a particular behavioral or manner or material phenomenon. Number three, it's it's visible, i.e. it's discernible. It has a specific time focus. So there is a time period in which this, okay, this is, uh, it's relevant, is fluid and it flows over time. I think that's much... Like, yeah. And it has a sociological focus in a particular cultural unit or subunit. This is the last part of my bullshit. In a social system or group of related individuals. Wow. That's, that's, wow. I mean, I was taking notes and um, I I think I've digested (laughs) most of that. But so, so I think my, my sorry, what, what's your uh, yeah, well, interpretation? Well, what's well for me as a as a student of of uh, Stan Stan one hundred and one style <laughs> um, that uh, it seems like the style and the the cultural shifts need a an appreciator. Yes. And, a, and, a, and an adopter, like you say. So uh, it's kind of heartening to, as a music and surf fan, even though I know I'm not a trendsetter, I'm not stylish, I'm not any of those things. I am a, a consumer and form part of that loop. No, but you as are a, a, you, you are, an but you are a, and, but you are a perceptive consumer. That's, that's the important thing. Mm, yeah. What, what, so what, what's your take? And I love any <coughs> academic uh, treatise. Uh, it has to use the word iconoclast. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And so uh, uh, it ticked all my boxes. Well, I, I would just say as, as someone who has studied far too much and spent far too much money on uh, education, um, I would say that the, the dynamics of style in this uh, little treatise, as you so rightly say, is uh, it's it's actually very appropriate to what we're talking about because we're going to be talking about in my sorry i'm going to be talking about and i shouldn't speak for the betties um two humans who are iconoclastic in their own ways and of course one on a far larger scale than another but have demonstrated on multiple levels the fact that they are a uh, trendsetters 
they are B, A, they uh, exhibit a form of expression which is uh, particular to their, I, I don't know what you would say, their, their, uh, their zeitgeist or whatever. It's discernible and certainly at a given time, it's more relevant or less relevant. And in, in, the, in the case of Neil Young, you might argue that there was a whole decade when it was completely irrelevant. Um, and it's fluid and it flows. I mean, fuck, mm. let's let, you know, uh, we, 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 won't, we won't get too hung up on the uh, fluid and flow nature of Neil Purchase Jr., but that's what he's all about. Um, and certainly there's a sociological subunit or unit, um, which is a, a, a group of related individuals. I mean, if it weren't for a group of related individuals, then who the fuck would surf a widow, widow maker or widower maker or whatever they're called? Anyhow, yeah. so. Wow, I just gave a big intro. Just, just an aside one, I'm thinking, like, is anyone more famous for their backhand surfing than Neil Purchase <coughs> Jr. Okay, so I've got a I've got a thing here and thank you Dazza because you are my best mate in the whole fucking universe. I've got a I got a little note here that says backhand bazzers. Who compares? Who is influenced? How and why? Link back to the dynamics of style. Who is better? Who I mean the, that guy could like literally yeah. read a newspaper in the fucking barrel, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I think Rabbit called it em embryonic. Uh, mm. His his backhand tube style. Yeah, um, which is you know, it's better than that. Womb time. If I if some if Rabbit said something about me that was that, <laughs> that was that good, like I would just retire. Yeah, yeah, would would you? <laughs> I mean, fuck, that's rabbit. Come yeah. on, I sent you a message this week about idolatry. I I think we need to do an I, I, idolatry uh, episode. But um, yeah, yeah, fuck rabbit. Come on, that's yeah. not that's not that doesn't get any better than raps. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Okay, so yeah, I'm totally with you now. Uh, wow. So. Tell me, tell me what your namesakes are, because I, I mine, okay. mine have mine have obviously been elucidated. Yeah, well, no. So I, I, I started as as um, on this uh, journey uh, as I, I, I got sidetracked basically. So I, I started off thinking Beth. I thought Beth. I think I just saw Beth, uh, Bethany Hamilton, uh, do this crazy backhand talking about backhand barrels. But she had to do the Mike, uh, the the Mason Ho style reverse hand grab, yeah. obviously without the other arm, uh, to pull in backhand, and mm. it was ah, oh, it was just so cool to see that, um, and just her um, fearlessness at pipe. I mean, can you imagine scratching into a pipe monster with one arm? I mean, it's no. just nuts um so that that started me off and then so then i was thinking who do i who are the Beths that i like in music and i came up with um i really love beth orton uh and her style and um beth gibbons from porter's head 
But yeah. then I realized that I'd kind of made a, a huge mistake in being too specific with the Beths because I, I actually realized that Beth is a... Yeah, what a, is it? It's a shortening of Elizabeth. No, um, of course it is. And so I, I realized this, the, 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 the one Man, who started... That, that's, a, that, that's, a, that's a fucking can of worms right there. Yeah, well, so I basically realized it all comes back to Elizabeth the first. Oof. The queen, the virgin the, queen. Is that the redhead? I think, well, I think so. Uh, and she was uh, Henry VIII's daughter. So yes, yes, hello. right. Yeah, yeah. Daddy Watch issues out. are plenty. Uh, but how's this <laughs> and, for a quote? And, and prob- probably mummy issues as well. Maybe, yeah. She pretty much set the surf and maybe you could say music template. Her, one of her famous mottos was in Latin, video et tacio, which translates to, I see and keep silent. Ah. And I mean, that is like, don't blow up surf spots. See, <laughs> That's so true. That's true. I see and keep in our, in our video and YouTube and Instagram generation. Why can't we just see something and just don't freaking tell the world about it? So she was onto it. Um, and she also had her uh, opinions about cloud break and the uh, private use of the um, surf there. She said, the use of sea and air is common to all. Neither can a title to the ocean belong to any people. So... She, she had an opinions about the ocean being for everyone. Um, she unless, also, unless, I guess there was a little, there was a little coda on that that I, I believe that was a, uh, unless those uh, point breaks are on crown land. <laughs> and then uh, it's for, for one's use only. Um, it's rangers only on the fucking point breaks. <laughs> right, Don't worry yes. about that. That's right. That was a lesser-known quote. Rangers only. I mean, how many how many chicks in the 1500s were pulling into pits with that many like jewels on board? <laughs> That's right. Not many. They had like they had like diamond-studded mm. bloody yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, sticks. <laughs> But she was she was a she was a smaller. She, I think she was riding like a five ten kind of twenty yeah. something like that. Does she do have an uh, opinion about surfboards too? Like we all get when we get our brand new surfboard, just get a little bit impatient. And the, the shape says, "Look, just let it uh, let it um, sit for a while before you take it out." But her quote says, uh, "The past cannot be cured." Oh. So, oh. So Wait, she wasn't let, she, she, she was yeah. an impatient last but i think yeah. back in those days because they were actually they were making it out of it, it was it was like a combination of it was like a wattle and daub style I was say, sort of pine resin and horse shit i think <laughs> it, it was it was, you it, was horse, it was horse shit and the congealed blood of your of your servants peasants. Who, <laughs> the, of peasants who who have happened to die mysteriously uh, in the shaping bay the whole world knows these pirates sail up the thames all the way 
to your royal bed. You see a leaf fall, and you think you know which way the wind blows. Well, there is a wind coming, madam, that will sweep away your pride. So, so, so the whole Lizzie Elizabeth thing just made me realise there's there's so many other names out there, Elizabeth Lizbeth related, and hey man, and just can, by can, can, just a just a, ma- sorry, a ma- yeah. major major minor aside, uh, we uh, were in the capital of this country to, today, yeah. not today, the other day, and um, we were listening to the radio and. The Cocteau Twins came on. Oh, love the Cocteau Twins. Yeah, who's the lead singer of the, well, the singer of the Cocteau uh, Twins? I don't know. I don't know. Liz, but yeah. Liz Frazier. There you go. Mm-hmm. Right. Hop on board. You. Um, so anyway, so, so just sort of by sort of divine sort of provenance these two bettys um sort of entered my sort of cranium and uh yes. oh wow i've just blown away so i don't know i can hit you with the surf betty first so betty there obviously a um a shortening or a whatever you call it of elizabeth um so yes. this this betty is fascinating betty pembroke heldrick winstead um born 1913 wow. yeah so she basically, uh, in the 50s, went to Hawaii, uh, already 40 years old, uh, took up surfing. Uh, and so she, in the this 50s. Is, in the 50s, yeah, right. So she drops wow. up uh, to, to Waikiki, and um, she's like, so she's full Renaissance woman, this uh, Betty Winstead, I'll call her. She's got a triple barrel name or quadruple barrel name. But she, she was a, a mate. When was the when was the when was the last time you had a fucking quadruple barrel? Anyway, she was a she was a surfer, obviously. She was a dentist, a pilot, a builder, an artist, and what I love the most, a haiku poet. Um, love Jesus. a good haiku. Anyway, yeah. So she, so they they called her an adventurous combination of Amelia Earhart, Esther Williams, and poet Emily Dickinson. In 1956, wow. she was the first. She was on the first Hawaiian surf team invited to the world uh, titles in Lima. Um, and and so Fred, Fred between... Pomar won, right? I think it was at Fred oh, Pomar. Yeah. No, anyway, Philippe Pomar, you fucking numbat, dumb skull, idiot. Well, but but Betty uh, Betty Winstead won the women's championship. Um, for for and, whom? And, for whom? For who? And whom? Well, I think she was representing Hawaii um, right. in the surf team. There's a great photo yeah. I posted with her and a few other team members with the Duke uh, before they headed off to Lima. But she started surfing at 40, won a world championship at Peru at age 46. I like, everyone's getting losing their yeah. shit about stats. Yeah, so that started it's, it's, surfing at what eight or something. 
eight. No, you come know, on, like when, when's Pipe at fifty? Two, yeah. So this chick, Betty, she starts surfing at forty, wins the world title at forty six. Anyway, and in and so then they moved up to Makaha. She she was divorced. She moved up to Makaha with the daughter. As she you wins, do. And actually, Makaha comp in fifty seven. She came second, and the winner was her daughter, Vicky. Um, so it was a one-two for the family. Um, this is crazy. I, and actually, this is all blowing my mind thinking. Because Makaha in the 50s, that was it. That was the event, right? Mm. That was the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because she, she went up then. So she's hanging out surfing with, um, what says, you know, um, she learned to learn wild, ride the wild surf in Makaha with some of the big wave pioneers such as Jordan, Fred Van Dyke, Buzzy Trent and Peter Cole who only just recently passed away. So so there you go. I mean, and I like to, it, oh, what, what can I say? Because I actually was so amazed that she hadn't really been on anyone's radar. I actually emailed uh, Matt Warshaw about her. I said, who's this Betty Winstead? You know, like, oh, I've, I've, got a, I've, got a bone, I've got a bone to pick with Matt Warshaw actually. Oh, the poor guy, he's like snowed under with all his, you know, data entry with his web, fantastic uh, website. But there was no entry for Betty Winstead. And I said, so what's, uh, what's, uh, what's with that? And he goes, oh, he replied. Yeah, he said she is on the top of his to-do list, basically. <laughs> you, you think that Betty fucking Winston is, Neil Purchase Jr. is not on the fucking website. What? No, I'm serious. Neil Purchase Senior on it? Uh, no, there's no Neils and no purchasing and nobody's purchasing any Neils on the fucking... Did you spell it N-E-A-L in the search or did you spell no, it? No, I, I, spell, I, I, spell, I spelled it so many ways. You would not believe it. They still didn't come uh, up. As a long-term subscriber, subscriber even, I, um, I deserve to uh, have a big complaint. So yeah, you got yeah. Well, you got to be careful when you type Neil purchase into the internet because sometimes you just get like uh, Neil boards or knee boards from uh, Facebook well, shops. Yeah, well, your like your 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 comment was was very very good. The the Neilos. Um, yeah. But um, <laughs> anyway, so so yeah. So there's a book out. I can't. I wish I could remember the name of the book about Betty Winstead. It's fascinating. I might even buy it actually. When women were supposed to be nice, get married, have kids, fit the mold. But that was not my world. I was born for speed. You may not be familiar with her name, but Betty Pembroke Heldrick was the first professional female surfer. A pioneer of the industry, she was on the first ever international surf team meddling in 1956. And the most amazing part of her story, she didn't start surfing until age 41. Wowie, Betty's daughter, Vicki Durand, is sharing her mother's incredible story in the new book, Wave Woman, The Life and Struggles of a Surfing Pioneer. And Vicki joins us now live. Good morning. She died at, at about 97 in about 10 years ago. Uh, but there's, you can find all the YouTube clips of her reciting her haikus. And she did a few uh, haikus regarding uh, surfing. Uh, it's pretty funny. Like here, there's a 97, I have to put the clip up because she's 97 talking about, she's going, yeah, the big surf was a bit scary. Biggest wave I caught was a 12 footer. And uh, I was a little bit scared. I'm <laughs> thinking, oh my fucking God. She's like, you know. Surfing is a sport. Riding big waves a challenge. Life and limb at risk. 
not not feeling about that, a real challenge. And after riding a big wave, many times you fall off the board and have to swim into the beach. Because those days, we had no leashes on our boards. There's another one there. An old-time surfer has dreams of riding big waves, a passing pleasure. What I call, call them big waves. A big wave is anything over 10 feet in my book. And I think the biggest wave that I ever did ride was a 12-footer. And after riding it, I went in on the beach and sat and shook for a while. It was very scary. What a legend. Okay, so haiku famously is a uh, Japanese-style poem. This is her one. It's called The Thrill of Surfing. The thrill of surfing. Oh, to ride that curl once more. Only in my dreams. That's really nice. It's nice, isn't it? It inspired yeah, me to write yeah. one. This Mine's called The Tube is Ahead. The Tube is Ahead. My friends watch. Pull in, they scream. <laughs> Dodged barrel again. Um, you know, there's a guy on Beach Grit called Eddie Haiku. No, no. Uh, and he, uh... he, he. he... And on the comment section, and all his all his comments are in haikus. Eddie haiku. Nice. Uh, so Neil Purchase Jr. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I've got a. So the, for me, uh, we we mentioned this briefly. Um, lineage. Mm. Okay. So how many father son shapers can you name? Okay. Uh, let me see. Pat. I suppose Pat Curran. But Tom Curran doesn't really shape himself, uh, well, but, does he? Um, but what's the other son? He he shapes, I think. Oh, Joe Curran? Yeah, I think he, he shapes. I think he shapes. Yeah. Uh, um, what's the what's the Nambucca the Nambucca guy? Um, oh, you said that the other day, and I couldn't remember who. He that now is. he's yeah. now a he's now a, like a, a fisherman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, Star that, Meister. Yeah. That one. Yeah, you're right. That one. The Joskies, valorsurfboards.com.au. Please support their tree planting pledge. Fucking legends. You. Uh, Sted the Stedmans? Uh, what is it? He shaped what Luke Stedman shapes his own ego. Is that what he does? Shane Stedman. <laughs> he manscapes. I'm sure he manscapes. <laughs> he definitely fucking manscapes. He's definitely manscaping. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, ooh, come on, there must be more. Oh, no, um, of course, uh, Brit Merrick and Al Merrick. Um, I nice. mean, Brit Merrick, yeah. Brit Merrick is now the shaper for, for Channel Island, so uh, mm. that's it. That's okay. a definite. Uh, but yeah, the Neil, the Neil, um, the Neil, Neil, and just Neil. to be called Junior, just that's just Al Madsen. 
Well, okay, I don't, I don't have, ch I don't have any children yet, but um, uh, I'm still working on that. But um, uh, and uh, we're in a, we're in a big. There's a tempest outside. Um, I've always thought at the kind of height of arrogance to, and also like uh, lack of vision to <laughs> imagination. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a little. I mean, okay, back in the in in the dark ages all is mm. good because you know that you are going to survive about two years more than your child. So that's fair enough. Mm. But in the modern age, I think it's a little bit conceited to, to call yourself, you know, uh, mm. a be the second. <laughs> your, yeah. your poor, mate, your poor, your poor children. I know you have Dazza be the second. Pass on the barrel dodging. <laughs> Gene is bad enough to, to pass on the barrel dodging name is even worse. Well, it's just... for, fortunately, oh. your uh, fortunately your your progeny are uh, getting shacked off their fucking titties. Yeah, they're, they're, that's right. They're ashamed to the the Dodger barrel dodging family. <laughs> Dodger family, stop getting shacked, kids. Yeah, you bastards. Mm. All right. Um, okay. So my I, I'm. I'm talking about Neil Purchase Jr. There is a connection between my two Neils, but I will save that for later. Okay, Neil Purchase Jr. has a very famous board, which is the Widow Maker, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what is it? Tell me what the Widow Maker is. Probably should get someone like you know Parmenter or Kidman. Well, or that, that's my next. That, that, that no, that's my next uh, thing. But yes. Yeah. What about or, or, the way I see of a, a, a widowmaker is just like a, a single fin with uh, smaller, so it's sort of like a thruster setup, but you've got a big single fin and two <clears> small <throat> side fins. The mid lengths now, of which mm. I've been eulogizing, is essentially it's the same setup, right? It's a, it's a, Anyhow, well, and, and it's similar to the Bonza because I actually pulled out. Uh, I got a Bonza, a McMackie Bonza, which I, I don't know. I've, I've probably said about. It's tried to kill me a few times, so I've got a bit of a <laughs> yes. fear yeah, of it. Yeah. But I've actually worked it out a bit. I think actually Middle Bodger, uh, Marvin Bodger, uh, I'll call him. He uh, he um, moved the fin a bit, um, which I never thought to do, which is pretty stupid. I just moved it forward a bit. Um, the big single. George Greeno mm -hmm. single fin I got, and it, it's loosened it up and feels feels really good. Um, nice. So yeah, I could see see the benefit of a of a fin box and um, and the widowmaker setup. I'm sure. Um, <coughs> so um, so I uh, went on to the uh, Encyclopedia of Surfing, to which I subscribe. Matt, I pay my monthly dues. So where the fuck are the Neil purchases <laughs> of this world? Yeah, Rocky. for God's sake. Anyhow, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm. Don't worry. I'm gonna fucking complain. Um, and of course, I went uh, because Neil wasn't there, or Neil, or the other yeah. Neil. Uh, I went to Dave Parmenter, and of course, there's a ah. there's a good. And the entry to Dave Parmenter is really uh, illuminating because it's the the <laughs> as Warshaw does so well. Parmenter is. Uh, his title is the surfer shaper quote machine, right? Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, you, you gotta go check this out because I'm only I'm gonna give you two quotes, and these are both from the 80s. 
So um, the uh, the woke police are inside of my head. The woke police, they're inside of my head. Anyway, uh, this is about women surfers from Dave Parmenta. If they're, in, everyone. If, if they're ever going to popularise women surfing, the girls are going to have to start performing in the nude. What? <laughs> Sorry, I had to take the microphone away from my face because I laughed so much. Um, here we go. Here's, an, here's another one. Uh, sometimes I feel like moving to Australia, marrying a girl with terminal cancer, and living there a while. What? That's Dave Parmenta. And apparently he, he actually did, because he, he married Rel's son, right? And, I was going to um, say, yeah. Yeah, not in Australia, but he did marry a girl with terminal cancer. Anyhow. Yeah, that's, mm. that's bizarre. Bizarre. Prophetic. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but that's, that, that's, just, that's just the 80s quotes of Dave Parmenta. So... Uh, and mm. maybe only a few of them. Wow. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> okay. So I'm not going to talk about Neil Purchase Jr. anymore. Um, but I'm going to talk about Neil Young. Uh, I'm going to talk about Neil's other ventures because ultimately Neil Young is the legend that he is. And you know, fuck. I. I, I mm. I'm sure. I'm sure the the. 28 listeners to this channel will will be far uh will be very very sick of hearing me spout on about Neil Young but uh anyhow my introduction to Neil Young was not through Neil Young per se it was through Crosby Stills Nash and Young and I, I may have talked about this a little bit before before all of that um, actually was part of one of the greatest protests. Well, actually, you could argue that he was part of the two greatest protest songs of all time. 
um, right. Buffalo we can, we can... Springfield. Is that what? Absolutely. You're well, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't yeah. say it, but you, mate, you, you, you interpreted that. Um, and uh, you know, um, Buffalo Springfield, which was it. One thing about Neil Young, it seems, it seems if you investigate his uh, his whole career, he doesn't like being with people apart from himself, <laughs> which maybe a maybe a sign of uh, of many things but um buffalo springfield did very few albums um they they made one of the greatest protest songs of all time for what it's worth there's something happening here but what it is ain't exactly clear there's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down There's bad lines being drawn Nobody's right if everybody's wrong Young people speak in their minds Are getting so much resistance from behind Time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down but a crazy thing is that Buffalo Springfield have this amazing legacy, right? So, <clears throat> excuse me. Buffalo Springfield was Stephen Stills and Neil Young and a number of others. So Stephen Stills went on to form Crosby, Stills and Nash, of course, with David Crosby. And you know what band David Crosby was in before... Crosby, Stills and Nash? Uh, I should know, but hit me. The, the, the band, and you might, we must incorporate this into the episode, the band that wrote, wrote, for me, the best song of the 60s, The Birds. Oh, he's in The Birds, yeah. <laughs> he was in The Birds, Eight Miles High. Wow.
faces, small faces was in the Hollies with fucking Buddy Holly. Right? Crazy, so yeah. yeah. Um so this is all this is all Buffalo Springfield legacy. Um do you know who else was in Buffalo Springfield? M- Messina. Uh, what? Yes. Morgan's in Messina, Messina. Yeah. Oh and Messina formed a band called Poco, Poco. Never heard of Poco. Anyhow, so get a get a get a get a grip on that. And then, of course, Neil Young launched his own so his own solo career. He left Buffalo Springfield three times. Actually, this is before before leaving uh, before leaving Crosby, Stills and Nash about eight hundred times. then he formed Crosby, Stills and Nash. <clears throat> and then um, another former bird uh, with Stills formed the Flying Burrito Brothers. Have you heard of them? I have heard of them. I haven't really, they're one of those bands I haven't yeah. really... Um... It's, yeah, I, I've, no, I've always wanted to get into them. I have no idea. I've never heard anything about them. Yeah. Um, I, t- I tell you who's also another good spin-off from the birds is gene clark you heard him uh, i've heard the name underground yeah yeah really Mm. really good um shotgun willie got me onto um on him some classic set of albums um in the 70s white light i think was some 
one of them. Um, yeah, but sorry. <laughs> so, it, you know, well, I just think it's it, it's incredible that you can have these bands, I guess, it, and it's like surfing labels, right, where you have, well, like yeah. like, like Neil Purchase and, and uh, Junior Senior, well, definitely mm. Junior, um, where you have this kind of offshoots of, of things. Um, so Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young eventually uh got together in 1972 i believe and um because crosby stills and nash had had already released a critically acclaimed album right mm. and then uh so there's, there's this there's this very funny write-up that says sometimes the only way to follow up a best-selling critically acclaimed album is to do it all over again only bigger <laughs> That's the, that's the approach Crosby, Stills and Nash took in 1970 with their follow-up to to May nine to May 1969 Crosby, Stills and Nash. This is how quickly they were pumping out fucking music. They enlisted Neil Young to expand the trio into a quartet and spent six months hammering out arrangements in the studio. But in most other ways, they simply repeated their magic trick of combining, this is in inverted commas, big personalities, pristine voices, and achingly personal lyrics. Wow. Or, and just... and do, you, do you know who else was in Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young? And this goes to show the misogyny of the times. And I'll, I'm going to give you a clue. It's it's the we talked about this in our last episode spotify protest oh um joni mitchell exactly wow so she didn't get a mitchell in there <laughs> she, she didn't get a j nor an m she got no fucking no no wow. letters yeah there were no letters involved mm. yeah 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 that's yeah yeah uh, no so, so, Neil, so, so Neil Young, um, you know, as much as we, we may eulogize him, and, and I certainly do, uh, he walked out on Buffalo Springfield three times in two years. This is a band that only lasted for four years, right? He would have worked, um, walked out more, but uh, they, they broke up. And apparently there, there, there's this crazy article here because... Um, Stephen Stills was a perfectionist, yeah? Right. And Neil Young was not. So Stephen Stills wanted to, to do, do like a million takes. And Neil's philosophy, whether it's to this day, is the same. It's like one take and that's it. Fuck you. I'm out. I'm out. Wow. And, yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So they, they, yeah. they had a... As you can imagine, they had um, slightly different ways of working. Wow. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've mentioned this documentary before. I think it's called Echo in the Canyon. Echoes in the Canyon. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And they interview other people from that time. And, and, and you know, Cosby is hilarious. Um, but and, and they're all kind of being interviewed. But Neil Young uh, typically, it seems, uh, preferred to stay sort of in the shadows for this doco so yeah 
you only see him at the very end, just in the studio jamming um, on his guitar, which is um, you know, it's like he kind of just let the guitar speak for himself, which I thought. Was but, it, but, it, but it's funny because that is exactly what um, my original point of this whole episode was the the link between Neil Purchase Jr. and Neil Young is that essentially what those two guys are are kind of tinkerers, right? They mm. they they would rather be on the farm fucking tinkering away, doing their thing and and making uh honing their craft. Well yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, look. Obviously, Neil Young has fucking made a shitload of money, and you know, credit to him. There's, there's no, there's no two ways about it. But um, I, I think that Neil Purchase Jr. It's, it's, it's both of those guys have done it for the love, and both of those mm -hmm. guys. I can, I mean, I can see both of those guys just sitting on the farm doing the same thing right i mean it's it's like mm. and you know uh, i i i wish i wish i was that personally i'm trying to be that personally but um like just the fact that you are so committed to your art that the kind of the the periphery the the kind of external noise it, it doesn't really it doesn't matter because um you know what you're, you're creating what well yeah completely and that you know fuck that's the that's the dream right that that's the, the total dream um <clears throat> excuse me what what do you think about neil purchases uh juniors uh twin twin setup he has which is very unique because he's got the well twin, I, I, twin I looked at it close just together just, yeah, I looked at it just today, and it's it's like a weird, weird. It it almost because they're like it's like you've got a board with two fins, like because they're super close together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I think that if you are smart enough and talented enough, you can ride anything. And yeah. I would my look let, let's hope that neil purchase doesn't ever listen to this episode but i would say that that's an, that's a kind of indulgence because i don't think that anyone else can surf that and should surf that it looks yeah kind of it looks for me for personally it looks because uh, there, there's a great video of him surfing that at uh, racetracks i think it's uh yeah um yeah. yeah and it it looks kind of uh, for for the for the for the average human it looks kind of dysfunctional in my mind that's my mm. that, that's it's my hard, view of it. it i wonder how much of it is sort of almost psychological in that when you see a weird setup you um, try and write it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, no, I, I, I think that I think that we've evolved enough as a species to know that. I mean, fuck. That there are there are a number of kind of, and I'm not going to say the word fun boards because that's horrendous. But there are a number of kind of chunky, 
friendly boards that suit the every person that are not that board that Neil Purchase is writing, right? I mean, Neil Purchase... Like good surfers. Well, no, but there's... Okay, did, did you watch Jack Robinson? Is, his, is that his name? Jack Robbo? Um, yeah. Did you see Did you see him, like, in the last two days at Sunset Beach? I didn't. I saw... Okay, so um, do, saw you, some... do yourself a favour because he is... It's like he's on another fucking astral fucking plane. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, yeah okay. he's, he's, he's surfing in another dimension. So... Um, wow. um, no, I'm, I'm, I think I, I mean, just missed his heat. Uh, yeah, I think he's surfing now, actually. Um, well, we, we uh, shouldn't, we should, we shouldn't, we shouldn't talk about modern things. But um, I honestly hope and believe that that's the next world champion for the. Uh, um, yeah, it would be for, heartening. For for what, what what country is he from? Australia, I believe. Aussie, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> okay now tell me about some Bettys. okay betty yeah so we we got we got the betty uh betty surfing out betty music yeah so this is a so i suppose my theme with the two bettys would would be unrecognized um legends i suppose um yes. so i touched on the fact that betty um winstead was a bit ignored and so same with my musical one and this unfortunately came to my attention as sometimes happens with um, musicians especially is uh is when the artist in question passes away there's there's all these flowing tributes from the people in the know and that was what first got my attention with this um betty davis and probably naturally i i, I thought well who's you know it's obviously not the actress betty davis who who was she uh, uh kim kim Cans. Oh my goodness! Um, is that not the best hand clap of the eighties? Surely, it's got to be. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to love about that song. Um, and the hand okay. clap, and just uh, but uh, the the generic the, the kind of generic eighties hand clap. Wow. Yeah, is it a real Sorry. hand clap or an eight oh eight hand clap? I thought. <laughs> I reckon. Now. I reckon what it was was like either Prince or Michael Jackson clapped. Mm. Someone recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah. clap has gone around the world. Um, <laughs> yeah, in many, in many ways, man. Clap that was heard around the world um, and felt so, in the in the pubic yeah, exactly. area. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I was extremely embarrassed once, once I got into Betty Davis that I hadn't heard of it before because, um, oh anyway, yeah. So it has this. This is a quote from um, her uh, uh, obituary from I think it was the Guardian in the UK. It says um, when the singer Betty Davis marched on the stage at Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club in 1975, she was in her underwear, the sort that might have come from an S and M boutique somewhere in Soho. At that time and in that place, she was enough to scare the living daylights out of her audience. And that was before the tall, slender woman with the giant afro started contorting her body as she delivered songs whose lyrics headed straight through the parental guidance zone and out the other side. 
When she walked out on stage, my mouth dropped. <laughs> the raunchiness that she was belting out in this deep, gravelly voice, I was just taken aback. I mean, how dare somebody in 1973 get up on a stage and not sing like Aretha, right? But forget about the music. It was the short shorts, the thigh-high boots, the luscious lips, the big afro, and then you're gonna spread your legs, you're gonna use the mic like a penis. It was shock and awe. That's the only way to describe it. I remember one man was so transfixed that he basically fell over during the performance and smashed the whole table full of glasses and went all over the place. Betty was too much for that guy. Her performance, it was so far ahead of its time that it was, to a lot of people, unacceptable. So, yeah, so she was this amazingly uh, charismatic uh, funk diva who who put out these three albums in the sort of mid to early 70s and just basically disappeared um there's a really good uh, doco on youtube about her called um uh people say i'm different i think it's called it's, it's free to watch on and she so she basically just disappeared literally just went home to i think somewhere in the states and just led a quiet life for the rest <coughs> of her life only just passed away at, I think, 77 or something. Probably the most famous uh, aspect of her life is she married Miles Davis back in the um, early 70s or late 60s. That's where she obviously got her last name. She hung on to that. Only were married for a year. Apparently, Miles Davis was pretty abusive. Um, I think he had that yeah, reputation. I, I, I mean, you, just got, you, you just have to look at his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so she's credited to for his chain miles davis's sort of change in style at the time but like she she said like she walked into this jazz club and she said like something like oh, i didn't like his music i didn't like his jazz but she loved his shoes they married and she said she threw out all his daggy suits um turned him on to hendrix and um sort of the rest is history for, for miles davis in the 70s he he actually famously on on her kind of urging yeah so he got into hendrix and other sort of sort of psychedelic, psychedelic rock artists yeah, yeah. yeah and so he um he actually used on a few of his uh albums at the time he used a wah-wah pedal on his trumpet which uh um is kind of interesting <laughs> <laughs> that's mate that's awesome the tr the trumpet wah-wah wow yeah, yeah it sounds it sounds bad it probably sounds I mean, it sounds bad on paper. Probably sounds worse on vinyl. But, but you know, uh, but, 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 but I mean, we are, we are, we are, we are victims of our age. But um, the best Beatle of all time, George Harrison, had a song called "Wah Wah," and so obviously mm. this was, and that was in what seventy one, seventy two. Uh, so obviously, which is probably the same time Betty was uh, um, influencing, yeah. Um, yeah. th that invention, the, the wah-wah invention was 
obviously fairly impactful, mm. right? Yeah. And then you add a add a knee to that and you get wah wah knee. So I mean <laughs> Yeah, but 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 the thing is that the wah wah knee was so important that it took like 10 years, maybe even 14 years for them to eventuate. Yeah. Well, because it's and, a, I didn't realize it, but it's actually a medical complaint. Like you, you play, <laughs> use a Wawa pedal too much, you get Wawa knee. <laughs> it's very painful. Uh, can I, can I steer us back yeah, to Betty? No, I, yeah, Betty, Betty yeah. on, Betty so, on. Yeah, so she just had this kind of, as Miles Davis kind of quoted, he said, she was Prince before Prince and Madonna before Madonna. Um, you know, she was, man. Which, can you imagine? Which can I, you imagine being Miles Davis is like fucking Picasso, man. And uh, yeah, but she may have been of uh, uh, let's. She may have been like the ultimate influence on this on this guy. Uh, and he admitted that, like he kind of said, he was getting stale and. Um, well, I mean, he, he obviously yeah. he obviously had some he obviously had some fucking shitty suits. Yeah, yeah, and it's so sad because she was kind of just before her time, and she just wasn't. They just couldn't handle a woman who was so. I think there was definitely you know obviously sex and sex cells and whatever. But to can be I a woman can I and- can I ask a, 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 a silly question? Was she African American? She was black. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you've got that whole thing. And, and as in that documentary, they said, like, you know, the, the thing sort of the, the, the civil rights movement of the 60s is still pretty fresh, you know, and and there was this kind of attitude. It's like, well, you know, black people can be we can wear suits and we can get jobs as respectable citizens. Um, so there's almost this self-censorship where they didn't want to express themselves as something that was dangerous or sexually liberated yeah, yeah. or whatever it was like no we're going to be the nice supreme singing um singing these lovely kind of um tuneful songs but in a respectable way so she just came out and just just flipped that on its head and and they just went <coughs> ready for it yeah like as this for some of her song titles uh if i'm in luck i just might get picked up um get in there and this is one of my favorite ones it's called shooby doop and cop him um and the, the lyrics go i'm gonna do it until the cows come home and when my goose gets loose she's gonna know i'm gonna move it slow like a mule i'm gonna love him funky free and foolish <laughs> Enough to drive a punk out wild. Ain't it 
song yeah and uh and this is while she's kind of strutting her stuff on stage um is a song called he was a big freak uh and i think it might be about hendrix uh because i think she had a bit of a dalliance with him and wow. how's this a line from this he was a big freak i used to beat him with a turquoise chain um he was a big freak flim flam floozy fantasy i, I just can't believe that i haven't heard of it and like if you sort of type in say funk classics or whatever into any search engine you're not gonna she doesn't it. really come up the great thing about this podcast apart from the fact that um it's completely random is that there are these crazy synchronicities so about 40 years ago wow. neil young was hanging out at the house of his road manager neil I'm reading this, by the way. Neil Makato in Pescadero, California, when his bandmate David Crosby handed him the latest issue, issue of Life magazine. It contained a vivid account and shocking photographs of the killing of four students in by the Ohio National Ohio. Guard during a demonstration against the Vietnam War. Blah, 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 blah. Stills, Nash and Young. There's a whole fucking article on it. I won't go into details. On The Guardian and in many other places. But uh, as far as uh, white men were concerned, uh, Ohio was and may well be to this very day the protest song of well, mm. of, of the 60s and of therefore of, of all time, you know. How on earth can an artist as 
important as Neil Young, and maybe Neil Purchase Jr. has done this. But I I don't know because I'm not that I'm not that up to speed with uh, very uh, the, the the intricacies of board design. But Neil Young released his fifth album, which was On the Beach, right? Mm-hmm. And it right. basically it, it it basically disappeared. Like it was yes. it, it it became it became like a lost you know when you were you know when you were a kid we we've talked about this before but when you were a kid and you got like a a fucking mixtape of some older mm. kid yeah uh, I, I I I talked about I got Pilko's mixtape right which had what? um yeah wow. I, I, got, I I got Pilko's mix mixtape which had like uh, the Clash and and uh, and Huda Gurus and a whole lot of other. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, uh, um, what was that? Uh, Give me head. Who who sang that? Oh, the, the radiators. The Give radiators. Give me head, baby. Give me head like you did just last night. I guess the height of his career, not that he gave a flying fuck because he'd always, he, he had already spent whatever a decade and a bit in, in the spotlight or in, in the, uh, in, in, inadvertently in the spotlight. And it's like, he just backs away from this album, which is probably like, I mean, apart from after the gold rush or, Harvest, maybe. Harvest. Um, I mean, fuck, on the beach. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's such. Yeah. Man, and and if you and and the funny thing is, going back to the whole, my whole premise, it's the it's the one thing that links Neil Purchase Jr. with Neil Young, is ah. on the beach because in in uh, of course Andrew Kidman. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, in Andrew Kidman's. Um, Glass Love, that is a song. I, I don't know whether it's exactly when Neil Purchase is, is surfing, but it's certainly the, for me, it's the most important yeah, song. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's, it's the song of the film, right?
Well, the funny thing is with that, so I hadn't heard it before either, and I think it was probably because of that. The fact it was a lost yeah. album. Well, I hadn't heard it, and I was like a, ma- I was already a massive Neil Young fan, and I had yeah. never even, oh. I, I never knew that the oh. fucking album existed, man. It's crazy, isn't it? Man, yeah. it's 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 mental. Like it's it's, but that is so like, can you imagine the fucking? Can you imagine Tay Tay or The Weeknd? They just all of a sudden, like, they, yeah. they all of a sudden, oh, of course it would, it wouldn't, it just would, fuck, it wouldn't happen. Because it would be, it would be like, there would be like a hundred minions who would be disguising yeah. the album, right? Yeah. Well, because I thought, like, you could even, even if you, were someone like Tay Tay, uh, and you just decide I'm just going to release something on vinyl, no, no other format. It, it wouldn't take long for someone just to to it rip it. Take longer. It would take about yeah. thirty six minutes <laughs> to find it all over the internet. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, of course. Yeah. Well, however, but, how, how, however long yeah. it takes to to however long it would take to actually make a copy of that particular disc. That's how long it would take. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Can I? Can I? Can I? Um. I. I can I give you another thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Neil Young, right? He was this star in the late sixties, and of course in the seventies. But in the nineteen eighties. <laughs> Uh, Neil Young, this, I, I'm going to quote some stuff here. Uh, Neil Young's 80s pretty much amounted to one long fuck you to his record company, to his fans, and to his career. He wow. had done things like this before and after, but in the nine, in the 80s, sorry, in particular. Young's middle finger or two were pointed at everyone around him. For a while, especially in the late 70s, ramping up to the new decade, he played nice, or at least he seemed to. There were albums like Comes a Time and Russ Never Sleeps that sounded enough like Neil Young. And the record company fans were familiar and they wanted it after the gold rush, harvest, et cetera, et cetera. Then came the 80s. These are the albums that Neil Young released in the 80s. Hawks and Doves, Reactor, Trans, Everybody's Rockin'. I'd have a listen. Uh, well, Trans is the, is the one. Uh, Everybody's Rockin', Old Ways, Landing on Water, Life, the, This Notes for You, mm, Freedom. Nine albums, ten years. How how many of them do you still listen listen to? However, how many of them have you ever listened to? Besides, maybe freedom, probably not too many. You might be familiar with Trans, the nineteen two the nineteen eighty two album that was made primarily with electronic il- instruments. I reckon he might have gone to the Fairlight for that, mate. He may well have gone to tough. Fairlight. Yeah. Of course he, he was in Manly. He was he was in Fairlock. <laughs> of course he was. And heavy use was, of the yeah. and the heavy use of the vocoder. I mean what? Sh- 
Cher. Cher must have been in, involved in the process. Oh, Peter Frampton. <laughs> Absolutely. Chances yeah, are, too much. chances are, however, you never sat all the way through. You could probably put together a not terrible playlist of a dozen or 15 songs from all of these albums, but there's not a lot worth salvaging. Young's record company, he started one, went to another, went to the first one, then at the end of the decade, went to another one. They sued him for not making <laughs> enough Neil Young albums. <laughs> Because uh, they, well, because his albums didn't sound like guess who. He he didn't want to become a Neil Young cover band. Well, and he couldn't. You know, he, he as you were saying, he loved walking out on bands. It's hard to walk out on your own band. How do you, how do you do that? Well, I mean, the, what, music. <clears throat> yeah, but what's what's happened in the last in the last month is is interesting because. He, he, we, we talked about this offline, or maybe online. Anyway, um, reprise records, right? Yeah, yeah. Frank I mean, Sinatra's label. I don't think that made the cut that bit. Yeah. No, it, it didn't. I mean, if it, it, we, we've, we've all, we've always talked about uh, doing a, a, an episode about labels and surfboard labels and blah 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 hmm. reprise wow if i was going to be fucking signed to a label it would be reprise and uh yeah i mean fuck he, he didn't they obviously <laughs> they obviously didn't give a fuck and uh he certainly doesn't give a fuck so <laughs> happy days Thank to you. neil yeah happy days um, well, can I hit can I hit you with the rest of my Beths and Bettys and Lizzes and things? Please, I just, I just, just this is just a random list of other Beths and things. Uh, Bessie Smith, uh, an old blues singer, worth checking down, listening to, quite um, influential back in the day. Um, Isabel is another derivative of Elizabeth. So we've got Isabel Latham, was his Ooh. first surfer. Lisa Anderson. Oh, yeah, of course. And probably starting it all musically, um, going back to uh, for the Bettys, is uh, Lead Belly. Did, uh, he was the original, I think, version of uh, Black Betty, which has been covered and kind of probably cringingly um, covered. Yeah, by lots cringingly, of definitely cringingly. it's funny it's funny because i um the, the the wonders of modern technology i went outside and i have my uh dr dre fucking um headphones on and uh i was uh peeing outside in my garden and listening to black betty and i i really dislike that song i don't know why but i've no. always yeah I, i've always disliked that song so 
Well, I'm a huge fan of like Robert Johnson and all of that kind of early stuff, but that song for it's always grated upon me. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do know what you mean, but and I've never liked it myself, but I think that that uh version I like because it's it's you know, it's just him banging his knee on the porch or something. I don't know. So there's there's an article here, and this is in Forbes magazine of all places. <laughs> How Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young helped, helped turn rock into a big business. Wow. And, yeah, and I'm not going to go into too many details, but basically the, the article is all about how the, they were like essentially the first super group. And of course, super groups, they garnered massive attention and especially touring i mean that was where the money was at mm. back in the day and and actually funnily enough it's now that's where the money's at uh, yeah again yeah. um because back back in the 80s and 90s it was all, all about record sales right but now nobody buys records so back in the back in the 60s and 70s it was all about touring and um crosby stills nash and young I mean, they were like a fucking industry, man. They were like a, right, right. You know, they were this massive, massive industry. And you know, I, I've got to say, I, I, I didn't say this in my notes. There is an album called "So Far" by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Uh, I, I would say for for the listener, "Deja Vu" is the best album that you should listen to. But there's an album called "So Far," which is. It's just so amazing and so uplifting that uh, everyone should listen to it. And it has Ohio on it, of course. But, you know, like, uh, apart from boys to men, uh, who, who has given the world more beautiful harmonies than Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young? Or yep. maybe, uh, maybe what were those? What were those Irish fuckwits called? Three tenors. Oh, <laughs> the... That's a great no. name for a band, actually. <laughs> oh, the Irish what? fuckwits. <laughs> I don't think the Irish would like that so much, but no. um, sure. It's sure. funny that because I, I mean, not just saying that you're saying that, but that concept of selling out and is such a, a negative thing, you know. But uh, I just think like if it's good it's good if and it's going to make you money it's good i mean if it's but, shit, hey it hey, money, hey well, does does yeah i teach english for a living right yeah surely i'm selling out because i should be fucking doing it for free right yeah but my point is yeah you should be you should be just on the street just but, correcting I mean, people what, what, it's do, your do, do, not do, your do do people uh, honestly do people honestly believe that Neil Young should be busking? I mean, like, well, is that yeah. is that and and even then, oh, I mean, the problem is if you're he's... you're fucking busking in the wrong street, you fucking sell out. If he's busking at Spotify rates, you have to just give him one cent per song. Or if that point zero zero one cent per started. song, uh, but um, no, I, I think it's just a victimless crime. I mean, 
who gets hurt? Oh, that's a that's a great that's a beautiful, isn't it? I mean, it's not like they're it's not like musicians are are, are spewing out you know, I don't know, toxic waste into a, a river. They're just well, even if you're writing a shit song, it's not hurting anyone. This one short uh, before we got to uh, finish it properly. I was in Delhi battling slow internet, and Stan was battling a polar vortex uh, in his shed in Iberia. So uh, thanks for making it this far, and uh, we have a new episode out soon as we can. And well, I'd love to hear a bit of feedback at Tales from the Shack at. Uh, Stan's Instagram there and also shacktails at gmail.com. Send us some feedback. Tell us what you hate. Tell us what you like. Give us some suggestions for an episode. Anyway, copies later. You. Her hair is hollow gold. Her lips sweet surprise. Her hands are never cold. She's got Betty Davis eyes She'll turn her music on you You won't have to think twice She's pure as New York snow she got Betty Davis eyes And she'll tease you She'll unease you All the better just to please you She's precocious and she knows just what it takes to make a pro blush. She got credit bubble, stand up size. She's got Betty Davis eyes. She'll let you take her home. What's her appetite? She'll lay your heart. She'll take a tumble on you Roll you like you were dice Until you come out blue She's got Betty Davis eyes She'll expose you when she snows you Off your feet with the crumbs she throws you She's ferocious and she knows